Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my talk about the updates coming to Gambit, a pinnacle weapon grind in the next season, Season of the Forge, and lowering the catch-up mechanics. I'm actually calling for bigger and better changes. I think catch-up mechanics missing is going to amplify some of the problems. If summoning first is all you need to do, and invasion is still really easy, and the combination of being easy but also really influential, I think is going to pose severe problems. First person to summon will be able to melt with ease because we're melting with ease right now. No envoys killed, no stacks needed. So that was generally the case I made in my talk. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live to watch me die to the same train over and over again. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage or follow me on Twitter at say no to rage. Let's get in here and take the first question from Cornigan. Thoughts on the Luna's Hal type gamut weapon. Won't it be the best for regular PvE also? Maybe. Maybe. You have to understand something. If they build it, if they build it for Gambit, they could add perks with respect to invaders, blockers, prime evil. Uh, it could be centered around taken damage, which obviously that can help, right? Against taken. Um, but it could be gambit in bent. And if they start to do that, I really think they're going to start to lean into some of the things I've talked about. That's contextual power. That's going to matter to somebody who likes Gambit. That's going to matter to somebody who wants to play Gambit and have every advantage available to them. Instead of being like, oh, it's just another Outlaw Rampage role and I'm, you know, I'm not actually grinding for anything that's that cool or unique. It's just another really good PvE weapon, right? So I think this could be the beginning of them saying, let's give true contextual power because the Lunas is obviously built for PvP. I saw people, I've seen people using it in PvE to great effect, but it's clear that it's its primary footing is a PvP weapon, and that's fine. I think that's good. I think having weapons like that are uh, is important. That kind of contextual power creates contextual grind and gives players that opportunity to say, well, this really matters to me, so I'm going to go after a Rampage Outlaw warden's law like lono did because i saw him using it which he doesn't have one yet right but i saw him using it and it looked like a nice uh a nice weapon and then that creates intentionality for the players based off of you know the items themselves boatman with three months in a row dude welcome back that's a blue badge thank you so much so next question juice box lono I've not watched a Bungie stream since the horridly misleading Osiris stream where they showed us how great that expansion would be and then it was horribly disappointed with what was actually given. Are the Bungie streams still just hype-laden pieces of content, almost on the level of propaganda, or are they actually showing real content again? Sorry for the hyperbole, but Osiris was horrible. No, it's okay. Personally, I think they... Uh... They still struggle, I think, sometimes with not giving false impressions. Now, do I think they're intentionally misleading us? No, but like when they showed us weapon diversity in the Forsaken stream and said you could equip like three shotguns, I that was a false impression. That level of freedom in your loadout, number one, is stupid. Number three, it's almost not even feasible. There's only a couple of combinations you can go for but it conveyed a level of freedom that we don't have, right? I can't put my hand cannons where I want them or my shotguns where they want them. So, they didn't show us three shotguns to be like, look at that, you guys have been asking for three shotguns and you can do three shotguns now. No, they showed us equipping three shotguns to convey weapon loadout freedom that doesn't exist in Forsaken. We don't have weapon loadout freedom. We're still very much restricted. See my weapon system problem or the energy weapon problem videos as proof of that. And see the response from the community to those videos as proof of that. People that are like tired of not being able to use certain weapons because they feel stuck in the energy slot or not having a good enough kinetic option if they do want to run an energy primary so the, the the level of freedom that they showed us I think was a false impression and I'm not going to sign up for what you're saying that it's propaganda 
Um, but you have to remember, you're like, oh, is it hype-laden propaganda? Is it hype-laden? You bet it is. It's meant to get us excited. That's what a stream is. That's what a commercial is. Like, don't watch movie trailers, dude. They're just all hype. Well, yeah, that's 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 what you do with trailers and streams is you get people excited about content. That's not the problem. The problem is when that hype is inaccurate. Like the PvP trailer that I took issue with, and everyone's like, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, man. It's not that big of a deal. No, f- showing false damage numbers in Time to Kill in a PvP trailer right before the launch of Destiny 2. No, that's totally fine. Completely misrepresenting your product is, is completely legitimate, Lono. That's what they do. They hype stuff up. No, it was dishonest and misleading, and they lied to the community about what PvP was going to look and feel like. I will never change my position on that. They lied to us in that trailer. It wasn't hype. It wasn't a montage. It was lying. And they need to not do that. Now, when they told us we could run three shotguns and showed us all this weapon freedom, were they lying? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Was it was it misleading? Sure. Intentional? I have no idea. I think they were excited about what they were doing, and they were like, hey, look at this, because we're shifting everything around. Isn't this funny? You can have three shotguns, you know. But in general, I, I, I think that there's two there's two levels that I want to engage with here. Hype is fine. Misleading the community is not. I don't think we got misled at all in the Gambit stream to the degree that we have in the past, but I will say this. I will say this. They seem to be very intentionally not having people using the Queen Breakers. And as soon as they went up against somebody who used Queen Breakers, it was a problem. They had a guy that was sniping and they kept intentionally spectating him because they knew he was a good sniper. And with his sniper, he was anti, he was stopping invasions. He was being a good anti-invader, right? As soon as they went up against a team using Queen Breakers, the guy came over with Queen Breakers and that guy couldn't snipe anymore. Why? Wall hacks plus Queen Breakers makes it pretty much impossible for you to snipe. Okay? And that guy that came over with Queen Breakers got a triple and then killed the fourth guy with a shotgun. So he team wiped. So all of a sudden, the entire flow of the game, the entire feel of the game changed because of one weapon. As soon as people invaded with any semblance of meta intelligence, being aware of what the meta is and therefore leveraging the meta, as soon as they played a team that used the meta, invasion completely changed. And not surprising, Bungie didn't even comment on it. This guy comes over and gets a triple with the Queen Breakers and gets the fourth guy with a shotgun, wipes the enemy team, and they're just being ha-ha jovial and joking around and, and, and having small talk while a team gets absolutely dealt with and then subsequently loses because of one invasion and one weapon. Were they intentionally glossing over the impact of Queen Breakers? Probably. Right? There was probably somebody in the control desk that was like, don't comment on that. We're not trying to draw attention to the fact that that weapon is so stinking strong. So, I bought this, Eugene. I had silver. I didn't buy silver. I had silver from a previous, uh, whether they, when they gave us silver or something. I didn't get that from Eververse. I don't think it can drop from Eververse. So, uh, next question. Be green says how would that work if someone's inventory is full i like the relic idea but i don't know how that would work same way it works now when you pick up a relic homie if you pick up a scorch cannon does it matter if your inventory is full if you pick up the relic in vogue or siva charges it doesn't matter if your inventory is full now because i said ascendant versions of queen breakers and sleepers you might have thought that it literally changed their weapon right I had silver from pre-ordering Forsaken. There you go. Yeah, I didn't. I've not bought silver. So yeah, you might have gotten confused by how I worded it. But I would say that uh, they would pick up the relic of choice and know like this is the one that I like. This one behaves kind of like Sleeper. This one behaves kind of like 1K. This one behaves kind of like Queenbreakers. They pick it up the same way you pick up a Scorch Cannon. OG Dub Lono assuming Gambit gets enough new seasonal loot are you in favor of reward drops being weighted towards season 5 gear uh, with the ability to get 
previous seasonal drops. If Bungie for some reason doesn't weight the rewards, let's say the player has an equal chance to get all weapons across seasons, does that hurt engagement? Um, I think they said when Forsaken dropped, it would it would lean towards the new gear. I would not be surprised if they do that again. Every time the season rolls around, the drop rates of the new gear increase, and the drop rates of the old gear go down but are still present. Another thing they could do is just take old gear and slap it into random NPCs, so if you really, really, really want that, you can go get it. You can go buy it. Or at least grind for it by just pumping them with tokens. We don't really want to go back to that, though, so I don't really know what the answer is here. You know, that's why intentional grinds are so good. If you really want a Dust Rock Blues or a Warden's Law, those are there always to go grind for when they roll around in the nightfall or if you feel like grinding the, you know, the Lost Sector on the EDZ. Uh, waits for none. Bungie mentioned that for season six, Joker's Wild, Gambit would be evolving. Do you think that there could be an already planned complete overhaul or that they are just now sort of admitting that there needs to be a deeper look? I think the plan for Joker's Wild is to add a, uh, a harder version that is ranked. Or one of the two. I think they're going to try and add a harder version like a heroic version where the enemies are maybe harder out of the gate and the bosses are harder like the meatball and it's ranked. So you don't really go in there and think that you're just going to be playing random with, you know, randos and blueberries and having a good time. You're going to know that like, if I go in there, I'm, I better take a team. Now, they may not do something like ranked like they've done with comp, but they could definitely change it in that way. Um, given how sweaty it is though I could see them saying people have really gotten behind Gambit and have really formulated teams and you know their strategies and their comp their team comp we really want to give people the ability to go further um, with Gambit and we're offering you know a competitive Gambit playlist so Pharaoh says uh, any idea why you don't get tokens to give to the drifter from Gambit like Strikes and Crucible and you think it would benefit the mode to have them at the very least it'd be pretty cool if they brought back the idea that every once in a while yeah I had tokens or enough rep to go see the drifter for an item and I could tell him to give me a gun so at the very least every once in a while I know I'm taking something from a smaller loot pool because when you want a parcel of stardust and you get boots and then you get gloves and then you get a chess piece and then you get boots it's like gee many freaking Christmas like you're not even giving me a chance at the gun because all you're giving me is freaking armor that I'm not interested in right um so I could get behind that I could get behind them saying every so often you're gonna have enough rep or currency with drifter to go get a package and you can tell him that you want uh you know a gun or a piece of armor like they did near the end of d1 i could get behind that um and guys just as a reminder your questions don't have to be about gambit you can submit questions about destiny 2 the weapons the raid trials whatever you want we only have two questions left so i don't know if people got the wrong impression today usually we have a lot more questions people might have thought they had to ask a question about gambit so if you want to submit a question right now that's not about gambit it has to be about destiny feel free uh entropy joker ketchup mechanics are only there to keep people engaged do you think a retooling of the streak system would help Losing streaks is useless and annoying. What about tweaking rewards on the other side to keep people more engaged? I think every Gambit game should drop a piece of Gambit gear. Every time. Every time. If I know I can have a chance at a parcel at the end of every game, I'm going to keep playing. Right? The reason that it's so frustrating and I think people get so tilted is you only have so many chances at gear from bounties and then you have more gear chances if you're rolling your rep over well you roll your rep over a whole lot slower if you're losing so that like doubles the frustration it's like i'm only really playing gambit for gear and i'm getting less gear opportunities because i'm losing um so i think that i think that serves as a point of frustration for people because it's like i'm not getting gear 
almost ever, and now I'm getting it even less often because we're losing. So, uh, for a 30-minute game mode, every game should drop loot. Yeah, I don't know if games last 30 minutes, but I think I think a piece of Gambit gear should drop every time. I mean, I think random rolls is the perfect defense of this idea. You have random rolls. Like, how many parcels can I get that aren't the parcel that I want? Probably quite a few. So, and even then, I might not get a parcel. Even then, I might get a pair of gauntlets that I don't need or or whatever. I might get stuff that I have, like, literally zero interest in. And if that's the case, then you're not hurting the loot grind. If anything, you're promoting the loot grind. Dang it. You're promoting the loot grind. The True Sage, what new type of weapons would you like to see in the new Gambit? Um... I would really love to see them invest in contextual power with respect to things like SMGs and other guns that aren't getting used. Uh, so at the at the bottom um, at the bottom of it, I think whenever you get a weapon, the main question you're always asking is, is this role or weapon stronger than something I've already been using? And that's the general problem right now is we don't have perks and we don't have contextual power. Malfeasance has contextual power, but again, it just doesn't feel strong enough to really warrant use against the backdrop of Queenbreaker's 1K Voices Sleeper and now the Thunderlord. So if you said, oh, hey, here's an SMG. It's a Gambit SMG, the Pillager, for example. What if the Pillager got like, I don't know, different versions of its perks whenever you were in Gambit. What if there was like a green slash through this and when I highlighted it, it says kill clip, right? And there's like 50% of the circle is green, okay? And so it says kill clip here and then underneath kill clip it says when used in Gambit, um, kill clip duration is, kill clip duration and multiplier is increased, like damage is increased right zen moment cool and then the green text beneath it says when used in gambit um zen moment proccing means uh you get other other benefits or something like increased range or something high cal rounds when used in gambit um Every fourth, every fourth round of, of damage, if you land like three shots in a row, the fourth round is an explosive round, right? You'd call it like high cal explosive rounds. Only in Gambit. So again, that's contextual power, right? You're like, oh my gosh, all those perks would break the crucible. No, they wouldn't. It's green text. It literally says, when used in Gambit, this, you know, this perk gets fill in the blank, right? What a great idea, Lono. Thank you so much. Oh, man, here's how else you could do it. Raid weapons. When used in the raid, this perk does X, Y, and Z. When used in the raid, this perk does X, Y, and Z. Right? When when used on the EDZ, when used in a Nightfall, when used on Nessus, why don't we have contextual, you know, contextual stuff like that, especially for Gambit, especially for Gambit. Yeah, like Rangefinder works different on grenade launchers. A similar idea, right? Similar idea. It would be separate text. It would be separate text. It'd be like, yo, I didn't just get the Gambit Pillager, right? I got the curated Gambit Pillager, which means all the perks are green, which means they get they they function differently in Gambit. When used against Guardians, right? You could have red perks, green perks, and blue perks, right? Red perks are like when used against a guardian, uh, kill clip, uh, with kill clip active, your gun gets a round put back into it, right? Or something like that. Or blue perks would be like just more generic, like strike and patrol and nightfall perks. Like when used on enemy combatants, you know, this perk does X, Y, and Z or whatever. They would have to give us unlimited vault to store it all. Yeah, not necessarily. Most people pivot between a handful of kinetics. I mean, be honest with yourself. You pivot between four or five kinetics as it is, and you would still do that. You'd have a kinetic for Gambit, you'd have a kinetic for Crucible, kinetic for Strikes, etc. Shotgun, same thing. I mean, you, you, you would have, you would, you would definitely have 
more intentionality in your loadout, you wouldn't be like, yeah, just throw on the same hand cannon for all activities, right? You would want to grind for the god roll gambit hand cannon, etc. You don't necessarily need more vault space because even now we generally pivot between a handful of guns in each archetype or each type itself. You know, you just kind of every once in a while, like I'm using the Warden's Law or the Better Devils. Like I kind of pivot between the two. Melodic Gamer, I really want to see mechanics come to Gambit bosses like the Meatball. One thing I would love for them to add is an arena-exclusive named Primeval that can increase the chance for Pinnacle Gambit weapon. These mechanics can only be on the level of a dungeon boss like Vorgeth. Any thoughts on a way to potentially expand this idea? This is something they'd have to save for Joker's Wild. You would have to be, like, going into a different version of Gambit so people know what the frick they're signing up for. You're talking about, like, a hard, a hardened or heroic version of Gambit that you would want people to know what they're signing up for. Because if not, it, you know, it's already hard enough to get people to not invade while holding nine moats, you know, or, hey, you have 11 moats, why don't you go bank instead of running to the next section and dying with 13, you know, trying to get 15, you dumb dumb. That's already frustrating enough. So if you add... Oh, a, a, a really a, a ratchet up in difficulty and challenge. You really want to make sure that people know before they go in, like, before we start matchmaking, we just want you to be aware this is a significantly harder version of Gambit. The bosses are stronger. I mean, enemies are stronger and the bosses are bigger, etc. Bowersock says, uh, what are your thoughts on changing Gambit in a way if you killed by ads each time you die, take longer to respawn? And you must be revived by a teammate. That's not really going to change anything other than frustration levels. <clears throat> That's just going to change frustration levels. It's really easy sometimes. <clears throat> excuse me. It's really easy sometimes for a really good player to get what I call solo aggroed. You're in an area by yourself and you are the only one getting shot. And it generally leads to really really high damage oh I shot right through him but I came back that was pretty cool um so I don't, I wouldn't want to extend people's respawn timers if they die to ads because there's already some pretty chintzy ways you can die shriekers and wizards and cyclopses can just really really you know latch on to you and you can die really really fast so um I would, I would not want to see that. Crooked Fang is basically worthless without box breathing, in my opinion. If you're actually going to use a Crooked Fang, you want box breathing, accelerated coils, and high impact reserves is probably the best possible role with charge time uh, as the masterwork. Saving Annihilator. The Curated Warden's Law has four times the charm. Should it activate if you hit two headshots? Yes. And that is more than likely what they're going to do when they fix it. It's two crits for every crit. So when you land two crits in a row, you've actually landed four crits, which should proc fourth times a charm, right? Two crits should also proc triple tap. Um, these are these are things these are things that um, would make the gun unique. Fourth times a charm and rampage could make Warden's Law. A really great 110 hand cannon for PvE because if you're going crit, 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 and you get a, a death or two in there, and you just keep getting it to reload itself with two rounds, um, you're getting two rounds potentially for every two shots, which means infinite ammo, which means an ever-present rampage. Um, so obviously, you'd have to be really choosy. I still think rampage outlaw is going to be a superior a superior role just because reloading doesn't take that long without law even on this gun I mean that's the reload without law now I have enhanced hand cannon reloader on here but like if we engage in this fight right here and I get I just got a rampage one off that guy reloaded that's a rampage two that would have been a rampage three and now I'm still in rampage three potentially maintaining it right off that guy so I potentially now I don't have rampage on this gun I was just sort of speculating on the timing um I potentially during that entire engagement had rampage 
right? Silly Lono, you don't play PvP. Right, who knows? Fourth time's a charm. If it procs off two, and it keeps you health, it keeps your gun loaded, and you get Rampage going, it could be really good in Crucible. I, like, I don't know how viable 110s like this are in the Crucible, but, you know. Now, in that fight, the question would be, though, back there, where I said, I could have kept Rampage going the whole time. The question would be, would you have had to reload it all with fourth times the charm? I don't know. We needed to work properly to test it. If it resets every two shots, then it might not be as great as we think, right? If it's if it starts on two shots, and then you can always stack on the previous shot, right? If shot three is being counted as, as the second shot paired with number two, and shot four is being counted as the second shot of a group paired with number three... Well, then you're good. You can basically always have fourth times a charm proccing. Because all you need to do is land the first two. Then again, it becomes a really unique weapon and a unique fighting style that doesn't presently exist in the game. Uh, Kay's Shyam, uh, this might be too general. What kind of quest would you like for a Luna style for PvE? Um, I would like to be pretty diverse and kind of run the gamut of at least a month where you can't, you can't just slam it out in a week and strong arm it. Um, you know, you would need to do a lot of diverse activities, you know, nightfalls, etc. Um, mainly because if it's going to be a season long grind, you wouldn't want it to be something somebody does in just like, you know, a week or two. You would want it to be potentially... People are like, oh, I hate time-gated stuff. Oh, okay, but if it's a really, really, really good pinnacle weapon, I think you shortchange how cool it is if you can literally get it in, you know, the first week. Or two, you know. Stretch it out a little bit. So many nightfalls, so many strikes, so many patrols, you know, so many of this, so many of that. But then you literally can't be mathematically done until, like, the third week or something of the season. If somebody's really, really going for it, you know. Let's do this. That's fun, because you can go through the shield with that. Uh, Okay, Otter says, Sorry for such a specific question. Couldn't find an answer on Google. Is there a way to get a god-rolled half-dandy... Is with, with weapon parts from Banshee. Yeah, it doesn't drop anywhere else. The reason I got such a good roll from the half Dan is I went through my piles and piles and piles of gunsmith materials trying to get a god roll um, on my Crooked Fang. And I ended up with a half Dan with Rampage, Drop Mag, and something else that's really, really nice. I forget what was the other thing I got. Um... It's a really, really nice roll. I think it's snap. It might have snapshot on it, or quick, quick draw. It's just a real snappy and real fun gun. It's got great. Um, it's got really, really great scopes for the range too. That's the nice thing about the half dan with its fire rate and its range. It's like a really fast firing scout. Uh, True Sage, how do you feel about the last wish and skill level you need to complete it? Too easy. Okay, I got to be careful here because I think sometimes people get a misconception about raids where they can beat King's Fall or Wrath a whole lot easier on their 10th run because their team knows what they're doing and they make less mistakes and they're stronger, right? It's kind of a full a full orbed reason why they they don't they don't struggle like they used to, right? They know what they're doing, they've practiced uh, and they're stronger. And they have better weapons maybe. They have more, you know, better weapon uh, diversity and loadout okay so I never want to say yeah this is too easy now just because we're better at the raid getting better at the raid getting more proficient at the raid and being stronger is always going to happen and that's never cause to conclude this raid is too easy right I will however say and I said this yesterday, I feel the Last Wish raid was designed with too much double primary in mind, and we're just too strong now for it. 
we're so strong that it just doesn't really truly challenge us. Um, when we got stronger in Wrath of the Machine and King's Fall and knew what we were doing, we couldn't bypass entire mechanics of fights. It wasn't like you could just go into Oryx and be like, nah, we don't need to do ogres or any of the chest stunning crap. We can just kill him right here, right? Nah, you don't need to do any of that stuff with the war priest. You can just shoot him. You can just shoot him right here. Just take care of it, right? Cali, you don't need to do the plates. Just melt her with Thunderlord and then Ikalos shotgun. Morgeth, same thing. Riven can be cheesed by, you know, doing the thing in the mouth. So the problem isn't that the raid's too easy. It's that they made us really strong, which is great. That's what we asked for. But I don't think the raid was designed for how strong we are. Um, Because if you play that raid with double primary, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're going to have a much harder time. Uh, because that's kind of how it was initially conceived of. You're not running around with an Ikelos and the Thunderlord. You're not running around with an Ikelos and the 1K voices, Sleeper, Whisper, etc. Even just a high rate of fire shotgun is immensely helpful because you're not running, you know, because you're not running double primary. Um, so these are just things to be considered when you're concluding, is this too easy uh, so the new Pinnacle AR is an AR. It was leaked. It has Rampage and a new perk. It's a Hazard of the Cast reskin. Oh well, I'll be excited then because I love auto rifles. I will. I will take a really, really good auto rifle if it can shred in PVE. I love the half dan. I should be using it honestly today, but I have, I have enhanced hand cannon reloader on this build, so I like running a hand cannon. Fatal Symphony. The exotic drop rate's crazy low. I'm at a point where I don't even want to play anymore because I'm not getting rewarded. Uh, I know they should be a grind, but I feel like the drop rate is just too low. Exotics are in such a hard place because they either give us the Thunderlord the way they did, which I don't think is the right approach. Here's the strongest exotic in the game. You don't have to do anything. It's literally the easiest, the easiest exotic you could probably ever get, short of just buying something from Zer, right? So that's too easy, but there's a difference between being too easy and like there's this huge gamut of difference. You can run the Last Wish raid 20 plus times and never get a 1k voices. You can run strike after strike after strike every single week and never get an exotic or you finally get an exotic and it's a freaking weapon, right? I got a Graviton and a thun- and a, and a, and a tractor cannon recently, I think, when we were doing the raid. It's supposed to prefer at least armor if it, you do get a dupe so that you might get a better roll. Um, so what I think they need to start looking into is questline exotics are fine and they're usually a really good grind the malfeasance and the ace I think were good I think those were good quests Um, but they need they need pursuit exotics where you know where it can drop and you go after it right you know this guy has a chance to drop this exotic I'm going after it. And you can and you can, you know, kind of have those chances over time then you finally get to drop and you're pretty excited. It's like doing the last wish raid every week. You're like, I know that this is where the 1k voices can drop. So, I'm going to go for a raid, you know, every week on all three characters to have three chances. Uh, I think they could do something similar. I don't think there's a problem with letting people know, yeah, this person has a chance to drop this exotic, right? And maybe, maybe even have like a, so you don't just go in, melt the boss, did I get it? No. Melt the boss, did I get it? No. You could have heroic, okay, so think about it like this. This is actually a really, really good idea that just came to me. Think about it like this. You turn public events heroic and the fight changes, etc., right? What if all strikes, since we don't have heroic strikes anymore, and we don't have, like, heroic nightfalls or prestige nightfalls, what if, during a nightfall, or during a strike, there was something in the fight that you could do to turn the fight heroic, and the boss fight got harder, and it changed a little bit, but when you did that, it suddenly gave you a shot at the exotic that that guy drops. So let's just give an example here. Uh, let's say that the Cerberus exotic, that auto rifle, can drop from the 
the fanatic strike fight, right? But when you're fighting the fanatic, there's these levers you can pull on the side when he goes to the middle, and when he goes to the middle, you can pull those levers and it shocks him. And if you do that twice, it overcharges him and turns the fight into a heroic fight where he does more damage and attacks more often, he's more aggressive, more of the ground is electrified for longer, so now the fight's really, really hard. But when you do that, he now has a chance to drop the Cerberus. Doesn't mean he's going to, but now you can go in there. It's not a simple melt. It's not a simple one-and-done fight. There's mechanics and things you have to do to change the fight, and when you do this, you then have a chance at the exotic. It creates it creates a grind. It creates a grind. You're going after it. You're going after that gun, but it's not as simple as just like grind the strike, melt the boss. Grind the strike, melt the boss. It would literally be a heroic version of the boss fight. Lono should be doing movie trailers with the way his voice is now. Yeah, in a world where one man answers questions from the audience, rated PG because sometimes he just has to say that's what she said. Mudcat, do you think reviving needs to be looked at in Gambit? Right now, teammates just rush past and focus on moats instead of picking up teammates. Uh, it's a little wonky uh, to get a revive. Someone at the end of the timer, and then they still respawn. I think as long as the revive is started, they should not revive back at the base. Number one, that's a change to Gambit revive that should happen. If I've started the revive, that timer should stop. I should be able to revive you. You don't revive back at the base. Uh, There should be a moat uh, countdown. If I die with 10 moats, there's a 10 moat countdown. And every five seconds, one moat goes away right so if you get to me after 10 seconds you can recoup like seven of the moats that i lost right i get them they give them to me for the revive or whatever so then we talked about this the other day like that would be a way of lessening how punishing invasion can be like somebody comes over and gets two or three kills that last guy could go out play medic and recoup some of those they could you know recoup some of those um those losses right now that might be a little long someone's saying in chat right you could be like dude you're never going to get to me it was only three moats i'm just going to respawn right or giving half the moats back right that's what we said yesterday like as long as you get them res you get back half the moats right maybe they don't need an extended timer on the res but at least if i get there and hold down x it stops the timer right Five sex per moat sounds too generous. I'm just I'm just spitballing. I'm not well I'm not polishing the idea, right? I'm just spitballing. So maybe it would need to be like like we're saying, as long as you get the res, you get half the moats back. And as long as you start the res before the timer you know goes off, you you cancel the timer, but you're still trying to rush that timer because, you know, they're going to they're gonna go back to base and you're gonna lose the moats if you don't do it fast. So you could, you could definitely do more to make invasion a little less painful by empowering teammates to kind of come back. Like, no worries, dude. I'll get your res. We'll get half those modes back. You had 15. That sucks, but we're going to get seven back. We're going to keep going. And that guy's like, hey, I slowed him down. Put the pedal down, man. Like, they're going to recoup some of those modes if they get the reses. You know, let's go. It still gives an advantage, just not such a giant sway of an advantage. Uh, Bobbert, will matchmaking be fixed so the solo players don't get thrown against full four-man stacks? Nope, that's going to be something you have to always deal with. Four-man teams do not deserve to have their matchmaking taken eternity because you want to play by yourself. If you go into a team-based game mode by yourself, expect to get trounced every once in a while. Should it be minimized? Yes. Should it try to prefer you to do solo queue against solo queue? Yes. Should you never face a four-stack? No. You are needed. You're needed to fill in the gaps of a two-stack, a three-stack, and sometimes you're in their region, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like, again, if Gambit gear was dropping from at the end of every Gambit game, you would be frustrated, but you might be like, let's just take our beating, and it's a chance at another piece of loot, right? Let's just take our beating, and the game will end really quickly here, and it's just a chance at loot. That's how Iron Banner always worked in D1 for me. I would play in the evenings. I'd go up against the stack and be like, well, 
they're uh, they're gonna run over us here, and I'd be like, oh well, oh well, you know, we're uh, we're gonna get a chance at loot here in a second. Yeah, and a four stack's not a guaranteed win, dude. We've we've four stacked and won ten games in a row, and then a really good invader with queen breakers is all that's needed for that solo queue team to to do, you know, to do dirty to us, you know, to do us dirty. Sometimes all you need is a good invader to turn the tide. Invasion's really influential. Now, if they lower the influence of invasions, sure, you might be like, yeah, it's even harder as a solo queue team, but... Uh, Ten months from Pink Floyd. Enjoy your Thanksgiving next week. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You enjoy your Thanksgiving, too. Thank you. And thank you for almost an entire year of support. Guy with gun. When, uh, with Nightfalls being super easy, do they need to axe the challenge card and increase the level to 600? Uh, challenge card is fine, but there needs to be a curated Nightfall. There needs to be a curated Nightfall. Where they really up the ante and really throw everything at you, and it's really freaking tough, and there's a reason. There's a reason. High likelihood of, uh, exotic, high likelihood of something. So, uh, Boatman. With the quest of the Thunderlord, would you like to see more LMGs? Yeah. And they're not LMGs, by the way. Just so everybody knows, they're not light machine guns. They are literally just called machine guns, which is pretty cool. So we'll see what they come up with. If they're going to treat them like trace rifles, that's annoying. I don't like how trace rifles are only in the game as exotic. I would love to see them uh, come to the game as like a normal legendary potential weapon. There's so much they can do with trace rifles. Uh, to unseat the established order of everybody using freaking high rate of fire shotguns everywhere. Uh, a really good legendary trace rifle could change loadouts. Really, really good machine guns are showing you can use a really good machine gun and not use sleep or 1k voices or, or whisper. Really, really good legendary machine guns could be, uh, you know, could justify saying, ah, this thing's good, it gets the job done. It, you know, it's, it's tried and true. You know, it's my old trusty dusty. Smell trusty dusty, dude. It puts the damage on him from far away. I don't have to be precise in my aim. And it lets me use my ace of spades with chromatic fire. And I like running my ace of spades with chromatic fire. Because it's a freaking fireworks display, right? But you got a legendary machine gun that lets you do that. You got a legendary trace rifle that lets you put away the freaking Eichelos. Or the Badlander or whatever the frick you're running. Uh, Kaze Shyam says, do you think specific perks for only Gambit or Raid D1 is a good path? I think having a pinnacle weapon that is at its best in Gambit is a good move. Well, this gun has, uh, it has Outlaw, it has Kill Clip, it has this really cool new perk. Ooh, this gun's good everywhere in PvE. Oh, but all these perks have an extra bonus when you use it in Gambit. See what I'm saying? Pinnacle weapon, no pinnacle weapon, and then you get, you get it. It's good everywhere, but it's at its best in gamut. The majority of people still play Destiny single player. Stacked pub stompers should enjoy while they can because it will get addressed, or gamut will turn into the comp playlist. I think the biggest issue is it's just four players is a hard number to, like six is just such a better number, right? So if you go up against a stack of sixes in Destiny 1, not all of the people on that six-man team were very good. And it was kind of like the rule of squads in Fortnite. Sometimes going up against a stack team, you're in an advantage because there's a lot of weak players on that stack team. That's why they tend to stack up. They know they're not as good, right? So sixes is just in a better place you could have a god killer or two on your team because there's just more people on your team i just think with four players it's harder what if you got a four-man team and you have one potato that one potato is an anchor and he drags you underwater one potato on a six-man team isn't that big of a deal he's not literally one-fourth of your team come on please give me outlaw rampage outlaw kill clip so close. We'll take it. We'll take that with range. We'll take that over Outlaw Zen. Oh, so freaking close. And it's got accurized rounds. We're so close. We're so close. Ugh. 100% it will turn into a comp playlist. The nature of the game mode means that. Right. And I think some of that can be more attributed to the four man teams. Zach says Nightbot didn't grab the original. 
from Silva Bat Gorilla says, How can Bungie fix the last step of resetting rank in Gambit? Having to only win is not rewarding and is a waste of time. What if losses reward a few points instead of nothing? Oh yeah, when you get to legend rank, it is pure and utter misery. It is pure and utter misery, dude. Is rough. Um so I think I definitely think that they need to do something about it. Uh I don't I don't know exactly what you would do other than just saying you should get points all the time. Uh you should just be able to get points all the time. You could definitely say that. Uh This is so close to the roll I want. That's so frustrating. I definitely think getting no points is stupid. Like, here, here's my argument against getting no points. Why are you rewarding your most ardent players with the most punishing feeling thing? Right? Like, here, you made it all the way to this high, high rank. Now you get no points, and it's really frustrating. Right? Now, obviously, you get more points when you win, and you get more points when you're on a streak. Um, but... You know, you shouldn't be punished for getting all the way there. By the way, we have a uh, we have a spot if somebody wants to join us. Jay Murda, full disclosure, I'm a hunter main. How do you feel about the strength of the one-eyed mask? You get wall hacks, an overshield, and a damage buff. It's incredibly frustrating that they nerf the worm husk, then they come out with something like the one-eyed thoughts. Uh, I don't play PvP enough to comment on this. I love the one-eyed mask in PvE. I'm sick of really good exotics in PvE getting nerfed because PvP people get frustrated. I don't know what to tell you. Other than that they could maybe have perks again take on a different shape in PvE and PvP. Like, perks are less efficacious. Like, maybe you shouldn't get the wall hacks and, and the damage buff in PvP, but you just get the overshield. I don't know. Melata Gamer, do you think certain weapons that can drop with a curated roll have a unique perk? Yeah, we've talked about this in my curated roll uh, video. I would love to see them bring unique perks like uh, Magnificent Howl. It'd be great to see that on curated rolls in the raid and in strikes. So then those weapons are pinnacle and sought after unicorns and they're unique and cool and powerful, but they're not easy to get. So, uh, Arctic Spartan, expand on your idea for activity-based perks. What about activity-based mods? So you could make builds with your favorite weapons and armor, but set them up for the preferred activity? Um, sure. Uh, sure. I mean, I you could do a lot with mods, and you could do a lot with uh, perks to make something that's perfect for a certain activity. So you could say, like the Taken Spec ones are that way, right? Right? If you go in to if you go into uh with a with taken spec on your on your weapons into you know um gambit, you're gonna feel a difference. If you have your armor built out with all those taken armaments and transcendent blessings and all those things and you go into the raid, you feel really strong against the bosses and stuff. Hundred percent. Fatal Symphony, your point about game-minded specific perks is great. Can you do that with mods? Yeah, last question touched on this. You could, 100%. Now, if you do this, then you need a way to go for those mods. Where can I get them? How can I get them? Give me some intentionality. Those mods should be dropping in Gambit if there's Gambit-specific mods. I shouldn't have to, like, like strain it in a gnat to try to get enough points to buy one mod from the gunsmith. That needs addressed in general. Uh, Berserkar, how would you feel about set bonuses in Destiny? Uh, we've talked about this. Set bonuses for raid gear, gamma gear, etc. would be great. Bungie's kind of anti-set bonuses because they feel that... Um, uh, they feel that they want to give player freedom. I don't understand that. Uh, like, why does player freedom have to restrict the cool stuff that you want to do? Right? Why can't you give me, uh, you know, why can't you give me a cool raid set perk or perks from a raid from wearing a full raid set? I don't understand. Well, we don't want players to feel restricted when they go into the activity. 
okay, but enhanced hand cannon reloader and enhanced reloaders and all the enhanced perks are only on Dreaming City stuff. So, you know, that's restrictive by default. It's always going to be restrictive, right? It's always going to be restrictive eventually. Because eventually you got to say, no, the only way to get that is there. And you're like, oh, the only way I can get enhanced perks is from raid gear and Dreaming City gear. Well, you're restricting player decision then. If they want the best possible perks, that's the armor they have to wear. What's wrong with that? So what's wrong with saying when you go into the raid, you get a set bonus for wearing a a certain number of raid pieces, right? And then if you have all the raid pieces on, the set bonuses get a little bit stronger. So then you're like debating between wearing that exotic or getting the set bonus. That's putting the player decision into that position of like, I need to make a painful decision here. And I think that's good because then they feel rewarded. Like when I ran Starfire Protocol and Wrath of the Machine, it was like, I'm not wearing other exotics. This is the exotic I'm going with. This is the build I'm going with. Why? Because I get this benefit. Well, why won't you go grind for a Dark Drinker? I don't really need to grind for the Dark Drinker. Why? I've developed my own build that can kind of give me the damage level of a dark drinker and it's with grenades and with supercharging plates I have a unique advantage I'm not running out of ammo you gotta go pick ammo bricks up you gotta have travel time distance and good RNG to get maximum damage with a dark drinker cause you may have to travel farther sometimes than others so uh Kanorgan says how do you rank the mouth in terms of exotics and gamut will it become more usable if the queen breaker and others get changed much love from Ireland oh thank you I would say that the Malfeasance isn't going to get a lot of presence in Gambit for a handful of reasons. Number one, at a ground level, it just doesn't feel strong enough. It's good, but it's not 1K Voices, Queen Breakers, Sleeper, good. It just isn't. I would rather run Ace of Spades with Chromatic Fire than run Malfeasance. Seriously. If I run Ace of Spades with Chromatic Fire, Chaos Reach is amazing for the boss. I don't have to worry about having an Exotic Heavy because I'm using Chaos Reach for my contribution to boss damage. And if I'm not the invader, again, I don't need my Exotic Heavy. And when you compare Ace of Spades with Chromatic Fire, I feel like I'm doing way better. I feel like I'm doing way better. So... I don't know. And some of that's preferential, right? You've got to hit the headshots for the Ace of Spades chromatic fire combination to really feel good. And you don't need to do that with, with the Malfeasance, but I just never felt like the Malfeasance was really doing much for me. I don't know. Shadowy Luke says, what sort of new enemies do you believe would be interesting in to have in PvE or Gambit, such as debilitating enemies to make both more interesting? Like, example... Uh, a Left 4 Dead 2-esque special zombie that constricts guardians or enemies uh, and it can affect weapons and abilities. I mean, there's already chieftains that can ensnare you, protect their guys, or damage you with their little things that they throw out, their little totems that they throw out. Um, So, I would just want to see maybe enemies that are not so much about agility and and dodging and maybe enemies that are more about um, and we already have this too but like there's tanks right you have tanks in the game there are definitely tanks in the game and those tanks you know when you face them they generally stand still and when they stand still that gives you an opportunity for damage and that opportunity for damage is then your your chance to to take them out but you know they sit there and they can melt you Right, we have really agile tanks. We got the big, we got the big gladiators or whatever the frick they're called with the big, the big blades. Right, I don't know. I think there's a lot already. There's there's so many enemy types already in the game. I can't really think of anything other than like hyper agile, really really trash mobs that are that are just swarm like crazy. But we kind of already have that in the thrall. So, yeah, I don't know what's really missing personally. I think we've got a pretty good set. Kill Clip's pretty nice, honestly, with this. Um, Kill Clip's pretty nice. Don't necessarily need Rampage. You can keep Kill Clip going pretty good. Um, Kill Clip's not hard to keep going because this thing hits hard. No. 
WTF Game Nation, 20 months, 20 months already. Been awesome to call you friend. Hope with the family as well. I always enjoy the Q&A. If you guys don't follow WTF Game Nation, you should. If you're listening to this podcast and you've never checked them out, you should. Positive members of the community, a son and father duo. Son and father, father-son duo. And they do a lot of raids and endgame content with the community. And they're super, super nice guys. Check them out. WTF Game Nation. Billy Schultz, what are your thoughts on earning cosmetics from ranks, Crucible Gamut resets? Oh, yeah, that's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, I have a video on this, on how to make NPCs better. I don't know why you don't have a rank with every NPC. So at the very least, when there's a drought or something that you don't really feel like, or there's nothing that you really feel like doing, you could grind a planet, you could grind an NPC, and roll their rank over and get really, really cool ornaments for your guns. You could get really, really cool uh, shaders and emblems and things like that to make yourself look different, to give yourself that identity. The lack of a raid NPC still frustrates the absolute fire out of me. It's such an easy, easy win. Put awesome emblems, shaders, ornaments for the weapons, and then the more you raid, the more you rank up. So after your first three runs, you're still ranking up and getting rep. Uh, rewarding the Sherpa community, rewarding that that helpful spirit in the community that wants to you know help other people and run more than three raids a week for their gear drops. Um, yeah. Shadowy Luke, what do you think about more mechanics within Gambit matches, such as other things to spend motes on, such as enemy debuff can be used by the team that catches up earlier? Man, that gets hard to balance because generally that makes me think of StarCraft, right? Uh, games like StarCraft and top-down strategy games, you end up getting to a place where... It's a mathematical equation. Do this, then this, then this, then this, and this is the most effective. So it could easily get to a place where you're like, do this, then this, then this, then spend your moats on this and burn the boss down or burn these ads down or whatever. I like where your head's at, though. I like where your head's at. Um, maybe what you could do, I want to iterate on your idea. What if on the race to 25, you could spend moats on either blocker health so the blockers you spend over send over are tankier and they slow down the other team or you could send or you could spend it on relic relic strength so if we go with our relic idea when you get to the be the first to 25 you are going to go over with a stronger relic because your team spent money on that the trade-off was they sent a bunch of weak blockers, so the other team really didn't have to mess with the blockers, so there's not as much of a risk. They're not as worried about like, oh, the plate's covered in really strong blockers. No, the plate was covered in trash. It's already all dead, and we don't, you know, we, we can bank quickly before this guy comes over. So you're trading one for the other. A stronger relic versus stronger blockers. Something like that where one strategy over another isn't necessarily the best. Because if your invader is really, really good, he might be like, no, 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 make the blockers stronger. The slower they are and the more they're on the plate, the more opportunity I have to kill them. Or your invader might be like, no, 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 no. Send the weak blockers. I, I need I need, the, I need the, the stronger version of the relic. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jothanicus. In regards to the Lunas Howl, do you think it would be fair to give players the option to either A, reach Fabled, or B, win 50 competitive matches? Just like in the Malfeasance where you have the option to either get your team wipe or do it three times. You could have iterations on stepping points of the quests, yes. I don't think I'd be against that. I could see the logic and why you would do that. And I think I support your logic and your reason. Bowers, what uh, would it be good for the game or bad for the game if every exotic in the game, other than ships, barrels, or ghosts, all had a quest line that had to be completed and was challenging, yet not so crazy and challenging that the average or casual players would abandon or give up? I mean, there's something really exciting about an exotic dropping. Um. So maybe you could do this at least for catalysts. So every exotic does have a quest line attached to it. But there's something so excited about exotics dropping. You don't want to turn every loot pursuit. You don't want to turn the most exciting loot pursuits into a, an exchange of time, right? Well, if you play enough, if you play enough, then you're going to get this exotic. And then if you play enough, you're going to get this exotic. And if you play enough, you're going to get that exotic. If you turn all of the most exciting loot drops into an exchange of time, I think you're really hurting the looter-shooter aspect of this game. 
Uh, and I don't think that's a good idea, personally. Um, I think you want to have those exciting moments, those moments where you get the 1K voices finally. You know, you finally get the... Uh, the Cerberus isn't any good, but you finally get... I've not gotten Shards of Galanor, right? <clears throat> I don't want to grind for a Shards of Galanor. I want Shards to drop. It's going to blow my mind when it does. Senzima, uh, Senzima with a brand new Prime sub. Welcome to the Raid. Just enjoy your dope badge and emotes. Your dope and deserve dope stuff. Yeah, as Sonic is saying, for example, somebody getting a... Like a D1 clip of somebody getting a galley, right? You don't want to take that away from people, right? I think... There's a good mixture of exotic quests and exotic drops. Um, and at its heart, this is a looter shooter. Like, loot drops are so exciting. You know? Seeing that Warden's Law drop and then checking my roll is really, really fun. You know? And getting one that's so close to the roll that I want, right? Outlaw Kill Clip. I may be falling more in love with Outlaw Kill Clip now that I think about it. I don't know. Rampage may be better suited for fourth times a charm once the weapon gets patched. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, Führer von Zephyr. Sorry if this is a dupe. Says, I feel like every other gunner ability is busted or overpowered now. I know year one sucked, but at some point, there has to be something to bring challenge and difficulty back in. Uh... And be that weapon nerfs, more enemy health, or something I haven't considered. Any thoughts? Matchstick with 23 months, dude. So close to two years. Welcome back. I think that the thing they need to do is build endgame content for how strong we are. I think a lot of this endgame content was already in production with double primary in mind. Riven, the raid, the Riven raid, for example. So I think they just need more time. And I've given examples of how they could do that. Give us three elements again. Let me have an element up 